And so we turn now to our, uh, our sermon, to the message for today as, as we unpack a bit of scripture. And we're going to be continuing our series that we started last week, Remember. And it's kind of Remember Part 2. And uh, things have changed very rapidly in the last week. Uh, the reality is, is that um, we have found ourselves meeting as a church from my living room. Uh, again, not how we expected to be doing things. If you would have asked me at the beginning of this year, um, if we would have been broadcasting via online <laughs> from my living room to engage as a church, I would have laughed at you. <laughs> Uh, and the, the reality is that this feels very surreal for many of us. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels that you probably do as well. It was strange last week speaking to an empty church. It feels even stranger speaking to just a camera in front of my wall. But what I do know is that we're in this together. And as you have been having to isolate, so have I. And, and here I am in my lounge, in my living room. And it's been um, a real... Dif- different time for us, a time where we have maybe been able to, to, to rely on each other in different ways. Maybe we've been able to recognize the importance of a phone call to one another that much more. But in this Remember series that we dive into, I have a real sense, and I said last week, that, that as, a, as a people, God wants us to remember who He is, to remember what He's done, and to remember what that means for us. And we talked last week about the fact that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we are so pleased and blessed and just wowed by that truth. And we were remembering the fact that God will never leave us, nor will He ever forsake us. And there's such a comfort in that. And praise God for that truth and that reality. And today, we're going to continue remembering who God is but also about what we're called to do. And for that, we're going to turn to a section in Exodus. And I feel the eye rolls already from some of you because you know what I'm about to say. I love Exodus. If you're just joining us for the first time, um, I have a a real love for Exodus. And anytime I get a chance to say it, I'll remind people, I love Exodus. And I hope and pray that you have a joy and a love uh, from Exodus and from all scripture, really, as well. But I do, in fact, love it. And today we're going to be looking at Exodus 32, um, which is the account of the Israelite people and the golden calf. But before we just jump into that, maybe we need to do a bit of an Exodus up until this point. So this is going to be a real quick whistle-stop tour of where we've been to so far with Exodus. But it starts like this. God's people, Israel, are enslaved in Egypt. And after we get introduced as a reader to Moses, uh, we see that he has this amazing encounter with God. An encounter that maybe many of us would love to have, where God meets him as a burning bush. And it's a, it's a bush that's burning, but is not being consumed. And it's one of those wow moments of scripture. I don't know about you, but I would love to be able to meet God in that way. And then God calls Moses to essentially lead the Israelites to freedom. Moses is a bit worried about what that looks like and what it feels like. And he has a few self-conscious moments. He kind of says, God, I stutter. I'm not the right person to talk. Am I really the right one? And, And God says, fine, you know what? Take Aaron with you. And then from there, we see that um, Moses and, um, and, and Aaron go and talk to Pharaoh, who is in charge of all of Egypt. 
And we see a whole bunch of amazing, crazy sounding things, but they're all miracles done by God. And it's one of those wow parts of scripture that I look at and go, the God I worship today is the same God from back then. And so we see that Aaron, Aaron has a staff that turns into a stake. A stake? And to a snake. And then we see that there's the plague of blood, where the water of the Nile River turns into blood. Then there's the plague of frogs, plague of gnats, plague of flies, the plague on the livestock, plague of boils, um, a plague of hail, plague of locusts, the plague of darkness, and then the plague on the firstborn. And this is where we see the start of Passover, where actually the Israelites are, are, are instructed to go through a whole process. Uh, uh, of sacrifice and then painting the door frames with blood and this is a sign for God to pass over their houses and not take their firstborn and that's what the Israelites the Jews still to this day look back and remember Passover that is one of the things that they celebrate yearly um, and so we see this amazing amazing way that God has freed them through these plagues. And then Pharaoh says, you know what, get out. I don't want you guys go. And so Moses and the Israelites pack up and they go, let's, let's roll. And they leave. And as they're leaving, they're being guided by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. And then you see the Israelites complain and they moan. Suddenly, the Egyptians are behind them catching up and, and the Israelites start complaining to Moses. They'd forgotten what they just witnessed God do not that long ago. They'd forgotten the freedom that they've already experienced from the slavery that they were just in. But then God goes and does some more amazing stuff. He parts the sea using Moses, asking him to raise his staff. And God parts the sea and the Israelites walk straight through it. It's an amazing biblical story of huge proportions, very well known. They all make it through, and then as the last Israelites go, the waves crash down on the Egyptians. They are no more, and the Israelites get to celebrate. But then they start complaining again. Again, the Israelites find themselves moaning and complaining, having forgotten what God has only just done. They start complaining about food, and then God makes it rain food. Makes it rain manna. And there's specific instructions of that, how much they're supposed to take, but some forget or ignore God and then take too much and it rots and it goes bad. And we see this continual journey. And then they continue to, to moan and there's some more disobedience from God's people. And then Moses goes up Mount Sinai and we see God give the Ten Commandments, of which are included. And they're the ten, hopefully you know them. If not, they're in your Bible. Dive in. But the two I want to look at really quickly today is the first and the second. That God says, you will have no other God other than me. And then he says, do not make yourself an idol. Do not worship an idol. Do not make yourself an image of me because there is none. Do not worship anyone other than me. It's pretty straightforward. And then they, they go on a little bit more. And, and then it's during this time that, that God starts giving them more specific instructions. Because, you see, Moses then goes back up um, the mount with Joshua. And he starts getting all these instructions and more rules and laws about the tabernacle and how to worship and all of these things. And then the Israelites get really concerned. They start going, hold on a second. Moses has been gone for a little while. Moses has been gone for a little while. And rather than just remembering who God is, remembering what he's done, remembering where they're coming from, the Israelites stand in front of Aaron 
and we step into scripture. And it's Exodus 32. And this is where we pick up, and I'll I'll make no apologies. We're reading all of Exodus 32. It's a bit long. So turn on your Bibles or open them up and turn to me as we read. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and they said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up from Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Pause for a second. He's gone for a little while. And how quickly they've forgotten. I wonder if we've forgotten the God that we worship. I wonder if you're sat there going, hey, you know what? I know of this God, but I, maybe I've forgotten him a bit. The reading keeps on going. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off of the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. The tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God, God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, there's sound of war in the camp. Moses replied, it's not the sound of victory. It is the sound of a defeat. It is the sound of singing that I hear. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned and he threw the tablets out of his hand, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf the people had made and burned it in the fire. Then he ground it into powder, scattered it on the water, and made Israelites drink it. He said to Aaron, what did these people do to you? 
that you led them into such great sin. Do not be angry, my lord, Aaron answered. You know how prone these people are to evil. They said to me, make us gods who will go before us. As for his fellow, this, this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So I told them, well, whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. Then they gave it to me, and I threw it into the fire, and now came this calf. Moses saw that the people were running wild, and that Aaron had let them get out of control, and so become a laughingstock to their enemies. So he stood at the entrance to the camp and he said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites rallied to him. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each man strap a sword to his side, go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbor. The Levites did as Moses commanded, and that day about 3,000 of the people died. Then Moses said, you have been set apart to the Lord today, for you, for you were against your own sons and brothers, and he has blessed you this day. The next day Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin, but now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book that you have written. The Lord replied to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now go and lead the people to the place I spoke of, and my angel will go before you. However, when the time comes for me to punish I will punish them for their sin. And the Lord struck the people with a plague because of what they did with the calf that Aaron had made. Oh man, that's the word of God. And, um, but I feel compelled to first address the very last verse of that passage, which says, And the Lord struck the people with a plague because of what they did with the calf that Aaron had made. You may read that, and given the worldwide pandemic that is COVID-19, you may jump to the conclusion that I am saying that COVID-19 is sent by God. And I want to make it very clear, I'm not saying that. I don't believe that God has spoken that over his people. I don't believe that there's a prophetic voice that has spoken that on behalf of God over his people. As we see was the case in Exodus. God spoke that over his people to Moses and Moses passed that on to his people I don't believe in that but what I what I do believe is that we can see that God can do that when his people ignore him when his people go against him when his people betray him God does sometimes do things that maybe you and I don't like but God seems to do now, this may not be a popular thought, but I believe that God wants our everything. I believe that the verse that God gave us at the beginning of the year to give our whole lives as a living sacrifice, that that is our worship, I believe that is serious, church. I believe God is asking a lot of us. Now, please don't get me twisted. Don't misinterpret me. Don't put other words in my mouth. I'm not saying that if you are ignoring him that you're going to get COVID-19 and that he, that is a plague on you. That is not what I'm saying. Let me be clear, church. 
But I need to remember the God that I worship. And the God that I worship is calling for his people to be obedient, for his people to love, for his people to listen to him. And we see in scripture that when they don't, there are repercussions. But I think there's a lot that we can learn from that. I believe that God is using COVID-19 for his glory. I believe it's what the enemy is meant for evil and that God is using it for his good. And please hear that clearly, church. Because these are strange times that we live in. I believe God is using COVID-19 to maybe shake us up a bit. And I hope and pray that you hear what I'm saying the way I intend it. But with that, I want us to turn to a few things that I believe God has pointed out to me out of Exodus 32. And there's a lot in there and there will be space for you to unpack it and dive into small groups and maybe question or agree or disagree with me. And that is absolutely fine, church. But this is what I believe God has put on my heart to share. And the first point that I want to make is, I believe God is making, is that we need to remember what God has commanded. We read in this whole account of Exodus that repeatedly, repeatedly, the Israelites forget who he is through the whole account of being in the desert, being led by the pillar of cloud of fire, being fed by food that rains from heaven, like all of these things. The Israelites continually forget, but then God is really explicit with them and they get a few commandments and there's two right up at the beginning. You will worship no other God, no other God, and don't make yourself an idol. And it seems that somehow they forget what God has commanded them. And as they forget, they make this idol. Um, and it's because of the Israelites forgetting who God is, who he was then and who he is now. Because they forgot what he had said because of their fear of the unknown. Because they were sitting there going, hold on a second, where's Moses? We don't know. Maybe you can relate to that fear. Maybe right now there's an unknown happening in the world and you are scared about that. Maybe you can relate to that fear. But church, please hear me when I say that God is calling us not to be a people of fear. And he wants us to remember what he's commanded us. Because the people of Israel forgot what God had already done for them. So take a quick moment and just bring back to your memory the things God has done in your lives. What has he done in your life that you go, wow, how amazing is that? What do you need to remember? Maybe you had a burning bush experience. Maybe you had a raining food from heaven experience, or maybe it was much more subtle than that. But are you remembering who God is? Are you remembering what he's commanded? I wonder if we have forgotten what God commands us to do. We are so blessed that God sent his son Jesus, that, that we would have freedom and salvation in him. But when Jesus walked this earth, there were specific things that he asked of us, that he commanded us. And there's a list that we could go into, but I want to start with just two. And there, you've heard me talk about them before. Jesus calls them the greatest commandments of all. Love God with all of your heart, all of your mind all of your soul and all of your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself, one which is incredibly crucial right now in the physical realm. But I wonder if we as a people have forgotten what it means 
to love God with everything, to love our neighbor as ourselves. I wonder if we've forgotten that, that God has commanded that of us. These are not suggestions, church. They're not like, hey, it's a good idea if. They're commands. Have we forgotten those commands? And there's others that we read in Scripture. How about pray and love your enemies? Or uh, go and make disciples? Or take up your cross daily? Or repent? How often do we forget the things that we're commanded to do? Do we remember those things? And you might be sitting there going, Adrian, absolutely, I remember those things. They're right there. They are etched into the forefront of my brain. And I say, praise God for that. But then if we remember them, we then need to be obedient to them. We need to remember to be obedient to God. Because you see, you could argue that with, among all of the Israelites, there would have been some who remembered the commandments. There would have been some who said, hold on a second. Isn't there something about us not making an idol? Isn't there something about us not worshipping another? Hold on. I'm sure. And the reality is that there probably was. Statistically speaking, throw the numbers in there. There must have been at least one person among the hundreds of thousands, millions of Israelites. There must have been at least one. But that person who remembered failed to remember to be obedient. He remembered the commands, but he wasn't obedient. I wonder if maybe you remember the commands of God. Maybe you remember you have to love God. Maybe you remember you have to love one another. Maybe you remember all the others, but you're forgetting to be obedient to him for those. And why do I say that we have to remember to be obedient? Because the truth of the matter is, is that we are sinful people. I mean, Moses talks about uh, uh, the Israelites of, uh, as being sinful. Uh, God talks about it. Aaron says, oh, you know how sinful and, and leaning to evil that they all are. And the truth of the matter is there's nothing different from them than there is to us. We are all human and we're broken. And there's this natural inclination in us to be sinners. And that's a sad truth and a reality. That actually I have to remember, I have to remember to be obedient. Because my nature is to be disobedient. My nature is to do what I want to do. My nature is to do it my way, not your way, not God's way. My nature is to think of me and me alone. And I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one whose nature is like that. The truth of the matter is, we have to remember to be obedient. And then we as we remember, we have to step into that obedience. And it's hard, don't get me wrong. It's hard sometimes to do the godly thing. It's easy to talk about it. It's easy to give the right answer. How often can we sit in a group and give the perfect answer, but actually are our lives reflecting that perfect answer? It's hard. It's hard to do what God has asked us to do every single time. If we were doing it, we'd be Jesus and we're not. It's hard. I know it is. But we have to remember who God is. We have to remember what he's commanded us to do. And we have to remember to be obedient. Because as humanity, if we don't, we're going to step into our own ways. If we don't continually remember and continually step into obedience, we're going to miss it, church. 
And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss it. And that leads me to the next point is that we need to remember to cry out to God. I want to turn us back to verse 11, which says this. Moses saw the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out? To kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce anger, God. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land that I promised them. And it will be their inheritance forever. And you read that next little bit. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster that he had threatened. Now, oftentimes when we read scripture, I don't know about you, but we read it in a really calm voice. We read it maybe to internalize it. But that's not a part to be read. That's a part to be cried out, to be passionately expressed. Moses has just heard God say, I'm going to obliterate them. They don't deserve it. And he's like, hold on a second. Those are the people that you've appointed me to lead. Those are the people that I've been going through everything with, that I've been living life with, journeying the good, the bad, and the ugly. Lord, please no. Please no. He doesn't just go, oh God, but would you please, could you consider it? He cries out to God. And I think that we need to recognize the fact that we are called to cry out to God. During this time of uncertainty, this pandemic, it is not a time for us to very quietly and politely bring ourselves before God. It is a time for us to plead with God and cry out to God. It might be a time where you have to drop to your knees and fully give everything you've got to God and cry out to Him. Lord, please, for our brothers and sisters, for your humanity, for your people, please, Lord, please. I wonder if there are things in your life that you need to cry out to God for. I mean, there's the obvious. As a community, we need to be crying out about COVID-19. I get that. But maybe there's things in your life, people in your sphere of life, of circle of influence that you need to cry out for. And church, I apologize. Maybe some of you are watching this thinking, oh, he's getting a bit emotional. He's getting a bit loud, a bit American. I'm just crying out to God. And again, please hear me when I say it. I've said it before. You don't have to do it my way. You're a different person to me. So you're crying out might look different from me. But you need to cry out to God. You need to give everything. It isn't, it isn't just your nice, polite prayers. It's your everything prayers. It's your whole life. It's your loving God with your mind, soul, body, and strength. It's everything. We're called to cry out to God. And Moses prays it like that. He cries out to God with a desperation for his people, with an angst, with everything in him, because he is giving his whole self to God. Moses is not a guy who gave just a piece of himself to God. He gave it all. And Moses had every right to be angry at the people he was leading. He had every right to turn to God and say, you know what? I've done all right. 
I'm with you, God. You saw me. Yeah, go for it. Take him. But he doesn't. He cries out to God. He cries out. And we see as God responds that God's mercy brings him glory. You see, the whole time, everything that God is doing for Israel, it's not about his people. It's about him and his relationship to his people, but it's about God. And in God having mercy and saying, all right, it's just further reflection of who God is. It's about him. It's about us being able to give him glory. It's about us saying, God, we're going to give you everything. God's mercy is never ending. His grace is so abounding. But it's all about him. I don't deserve the grace of the mercy. It's not about anything I can earn. It's not that I can do enough tick boxes. It's not that I can memorize enough verses. It's not that I can go to church enough times. It's that I give myself wholly to God. And because I give everything that I have, his mercy is poured out for me. His grace is poured out for me. And it is through his grace. It's by his grace that what Jesus did on the cross is enough for me. His grace, church. And, and, and we, have to, we have to realize that it, it was in that moment as, as Moses is crying out to, to, to God and God allowing his promises that he had already made to come to fruition, God's mercy comes out. And it isn't because of us, it's because of him. It was all about God's message, his promise being remembered. It was all about God being glorified. Did you realize how even Moses entered into the prayer? He didn't say, oh, well, actually, they're pretty decent people. Could you help them out? I kind of like them. Aaron's a, you know, help Aaron out, please, a little bit. He's kind of related, you know. He doesn't do that. He says, God, remember your promises. And some people use this passage to kind of say, well, hold on, did he convince God not to? Is this a debate that he's having with God? I don't know, but what I do know is that he's having a conversation with God. He's crying out to God, and that's what prayer is. I've had conversations with people recently who've been asking me, like, actually, how do you pray? What is prayer? How do you get into that flow of prayer? And the reality is, is that I treat it as an amazingly privileged conversation that I get to have, that you get to have that we get to have but it's a privileged conversation that we get to have with God and so Moses treats it as like that he says oh Lord please let me just hold on a second you said something that's upset me so I'm gonna hold on it's a conversation y'all he doesn't have this crazy big formality he just sits and he cries out and he says Lord come on please and right now in this time of such uncertainty outside those doors and in our streets we need to be crying out to God which is why we as a church are firmly standing behind our call to prayer and fasting if you've not been a part can I encourage you to join us on Wednesdays even if it's just from the comfort of your own home, just pray and fast. And if you want some guidance on how to, we're sending out emails. We'll be doing it via the social media pages. Just pray and fast and cry out to God. Because it's all about Him. It's all about Him. But we have to remember that He is merciful, but not because of who He are. We have to remember 
that our disobedience has repercussions. Now, I don't know if you can remember being a kid, if you can flash back to when you were a child, a young person, you knew back then that if you were to do something that your mom and dad didn't like, there'd be a consequence, a punishment, a something. Whether that be you lose something, whether that be back in the day, they might, you know, I have friends that had to go outside and pick up, you know, switches from, from trees and stuff like that. Whatever the repercussion or consequence, you knew, you knew that if you did something that you weren't supposed to, if you were disobedient to your parents, there were repercussions. And we see that really clearly in this scripture. We see that as the Israelites go and do their own thing and say, ah, forget what you've commanded, God. I don't need that. Forget you. As they step into their own desires and forget the commands of God and they're disobedient, as they're disobedient, they all are, there are repercussions. And there are those that God has spoken over and then that Moses cries over, but then there's also the reality of the fact of what happens. And please know that we have a responsibility as, as Christians to make decisions to follow Him. And as we ignore God's commands, there will be repercussions. Now, I'm not going to know what they are. I can't tell you what they are because I'm not God. It's not my role to bring that judgment. It is not my role to bring that. But I do know that as we stand in disobedience, there are repercussions. And that's something that I need to remember. Not to live my life out of fear of God in that sense, but to remember that actually I will stand before Him. We all stand before Him. But we also have to remember that we also see that there is grace mercy and freedom in Christ and that is such good news church because you might be sat there going you know what hold on I've been really disobedient and there are a lot of things I need to change and there's there's a lot of things in my life that I need to get back on track with God with but the amazing thing is is that as you step into relationship with Jesus as you step into all that he has for you as you give your life fully for him as you are obedient to what he says as you remember his commands and you remember to obey him and you do what he asks as you do all those things you are standing in the perfect place where God wants you you are standing in the freedom of Christ you are standing as as an adopted child of God into the kingdom and His grace and His mercy is poured out for you. But that still requires you to be obedient. And don't get me wrong, as we make our mistakes, because we said earlier, we have that sin that we live in. As I recognize those, I can repent. I can turn from that sin. I can turn back to Christ and say, Lord, I am sorry. And as I turn to Him, I can keep on seeing myself washed clean. Because it's not like I do it once and then I'm forever clean. No, 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 no. I'm forever saved as I give my life to Jesus. But I need cleaning on a regular because, man, I am broken and messy and dirty. And I need a lot of working on. I need a lot of obedience in my life. So, God, more of you and less of me. And so I remember the fact that there is grace poured out for me. That there is His mercy overflowing for me. And that we have freedom in Christ.
And so maybe you have been bound by something in, in your disobedience. Maybe there's been something that you've been holding on to that is not of Christ, that is not of God, and He wants you to let go of. Maybe you need to let go of that today. As you're watching this, maybe there is something that you need to let God just break the chains from and allow you freedom. And you know how you get that freedom? You know how you get those shackles broken? You cry out to God. You listen to Him. You step into the obedience that He's asking for you for. And you step into the life that He's got for you. And as you're obedient today in changing whatever He's asking you to, He's going to ask you tomorrow to do some more stuff. And the day after to do some more stuff. And until the day you die, church, until the day you have no more breath in your lungs, there will be something that God is asking of you. And in those times, even then, you need to be obedient. You need to be focusing on Him. And we can be set free from our mistakes. But we also need to remember that we've been set free in Jesus. But we need to remember what that means. See, it's not a cheap grace that we receive. It's a costly grace. It was Jesus' body and blood broken and shed for us that we can receive that grace and it is a a call to give our life fully and wholly to him and it is a call to live a life sacrificially giving everything for him now that's going to look different for all of us but but church what is what is god asking of you today what is what is god saying to you right now as you watch your screen whether it be a phone or a tablet a computer screen or tv screen what is god asking of you right now because you've been set free in christ amen praise him for that but that means something that means something there are things that we need to remember We need to remember what he's commanded. You're set free in Christ, but do you remember the commands he's given you? Are you remembering them and then being obedient to them? Because church, there is no time like right now to do what God is asking us to do. There's no time like right now to be the person that Christ is asking you to be. There is no time like right now for you to say, you know what, Jesus, I'm yours. I'm all in. Not just a little bit, I am all in. I will fully give everything that I am to live my life for you in obedience of you and knowing that if I make a mistake, I'll come back, I will repent, and I will see forgiveness. But God, my intention is everything for you now. Is that where you are? Because I believe that God has been preparing us for that. Verse of the year. The Weebles Wobble series, it's to have courage to be those people. It's to have courage to give everything that we are. And don't get me wrong, church, if you're watching this going, hold on, Adrian, I'm a bit worried, I'm a bit scared, this sounds a bit scary, sounds a bit much. I'm with you. (laughs) I'm with you that this is intense. I'm with you that this is surreal in the life that we're living and, hey, what God is asking of us. But let's remember who it is that we worship. Let's remember who it is that he is. Because if he's asking it of you, he's your king of kings. He's above all else. What better way is there to live our lives in the way he is asking of us? 
knowing that he will never leave us or forsake us, knowing that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the same God of Exodus that we've read about today and learned about today or reviewed today. He's the same God. And he's the same God that wants us to step into a relationship with him, that wants us to cry out to him, that wants us to live our lives for him. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So how are you, how are my, how are we being obedient to God? How are you crying out to Him? How are we going to cry out to Him? How is your life a reflection that you have been set free in Christ and that your life is His? How is our life a reflection of that truth and that reality? Are we remembering His commands? Are you remembering His commands? Are you being obedient to His commands? Because church... It's serious. God is asking us to be his church now. To remember and to do what he's asked. Are you ready for it? Are you ready to join in with all that God has for you, for me? Are you ready to move where he's calling us? Because it might be scary, but it's going to be awesome. You know why? Because God is with us. So are you ready to be led by him? Are you ready to give everything you've got? Let's pray.